Hey, good morning, everybody. Are you excited about Christmas? Love, love, love Christmas. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a quick poll before we get started here this morning. How many of you have, um, you've been coming to Stonebrook for a, at least several months to a year or so? You, you've been around quite a while. Just let me see your hand. So that's, that's quite a few, a few of you. Um, I, I'm going to share some things that are this morning that are specifically for um, people that would consider themselves Jesus followers, people that would consider themselves stonebrookers. And um, it's just going to be sort of a conversation. I'm not even sure exactly which way to go. Well, one reason I'm not sure is, um, last service, I've been, I started preaching when I was 17 years old. I preached my first sermon when I was 17. And um, I'm 50 years old now, so that's a long time. Last service is the worst message I've ever preached in my entire life. It was awful. It was just terrible. So um, I'm just going to go a little bit different direction with you guys. And uh, maybe we'll get the two groups together and you can say, oh, he was great in the second service. <laughs> the first service people are like, I'm going to go to second service from now on. Because, man, that was bad. Um, when we, when we t- <clears throat> talk about Christmas, um, we, we, we think of Christmas as the season of giving. And this is one reason... It was, uh, it was a hard message for me in the first service. It's because um, I, am, I am fervently passionate about what we, I may even cry, uh, what we do as a church. <clears throat> and um, a friend of ours who came to church here, um, when they lived here, they moved away to Colorado, was here this morning, came in the second service, and their name is Joe and Cassie Kastronakis, and they're sitting here on the front row. And um, I just saw him, and I've been thinking all this week about uh, what we do as a church and how, how we're different and what we're trying to do is different. And that we are really, really, really um, trying to reach that segment of people that other people have, other, other churches, not putting down other churches at all, but other churches have, decide, have decided that they're, they're sort of unreachable. That, um, in, in fact, we say this all the time, there's forty to 45,000 people in Pulaski County that don't go to church anywhere. And I've been in Pulaski County for 20, oh, I've been in Waynesville specifically for 26 years. And um, there's just an, this entire huge segment of people who churches in general have said, you know, we have our church people and we do our church thing and we have our church message and we play our church music and we get together and we do our church talk and we have our church dinners and we love our church people and we act our church way on Sunday morning and we just sort of like that. And in one sense, we're just sort of saying, you guys can go to hell in one sense, really literally. And that we decided that we really, really love those people. And that there has to be a place. There has to be a way. Because when Jesus came, and that's what, what sort of got me thinking about this, what we call in Christendom and church world, we call this Advent season. Where Jesus looked down and he said, you know, I'm in a wonderful, wonderful place myself. And everything is good here in heaven. We've got the air conditioning on in heaven. And we've got golden streets. And things are really, really wonderful here. But wow, those people really need me. And so I'm going to go down there. I'm going to give away everything that I have. I'm going to even give my entire life for them. Um, first, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Of course, one of the most famous scriptures in the world where Jesus said, and we have it here, God so loved the world. This is how God loved the world. This is how he did it. He gave himself. And so uh, just thinking about the kind of church that, that we want to be, and, and thinking about the different people over the years, because we are still an extremely, extremely young church, um, just about, about four years or so old, and it's really a revolutionary concept, and I think those of us that have been around for a while, we forget sometimes how different this really is. And so I was talking to Joe and Cassie this morning, and I said, remind me a little bit of your story, and, and they were telling me, um, how they came here and they'd tried, Cassie said, 15 other churches in town and 
Um, once again, I'm not, not putting other churches down. But this really, really, really is a place where you can come and you can say, hey, I don't believe in this Jesus thing. And we go, okay. Sometimes we have a little problem with it ourselves. Would you like a donut? Um, so you, you have questions about God. I don't think God exists. And, and we say, you know, it, it is kind of a hard thing to believe, isn't it? That there's this guy up in the sky and he loves you more than you can imagine and you can't see him. <laughs> and you wonder why you're experiencing all these problems in life. And we sometimes wonder the same thing ourselves, but here's what we believe. We believe this guy came, his name's Jesus, and he, he showed us how to love, he showed us how to live, and he was really, really different. He hung out with people who the religious people said were scum of the earth. He hung out with people at parties, and he didn't hang out necessarily at the temples and the church structures. He went to where they were and just said, hey guys, right where you are, you're forgiven. He would walk up to people or people would come into his service and they were the lowest of the low, the prostitutes and, and those that the religious people turned up their nose and scoffed at and talked bad about behind their back and said, you can't come into the temple, you're unholy and you have to clean up your life and you're the low lives. And Jesus said to those people, I want you to know, he would even start with son. Son, your sins are forgiven. What do you, what do you mean son? You're in. I'm, 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 your, I'm your father. I want you. He came and introduced this, this entirely different concept about God, where Jesus called him a Hebrew word, Abba, which translated perfectly over into English would be daddy. That Jesus explained that God isn't, this ogre in the sky with a long beard, and he's not white even. He's not this white dude with white long hair and a white beard and this some sort of either stick or cane that fire shoots out of, and if you do something wrong, he's going to strike you down. Jesus came and said, yeah, he's really my daddy. And so anyway, I was talking to Joe and Cassie and thinking about how important it is to have a place that's truly, truly different. And I think we forget, I think I forget, how, uh, how necessary, how valuable, how, how it's, it's, it's such a new concept that it's really, it's really revolutionary that we are part of, that we believe somehow, not because of who we are. Because let me tell you, if you are looking for a church that has it together, oh my gosh, run, just run. It's not us. If you're looking for a pastor that knows what he's doing, for Pete's sake, it's not me. Who is Pete, and why are we talking about his sake? I just never can figure that out. But if you're looking for a pastor that even knows how to um, give a good message this morning, it's not me. It's, I, don't, I don't know. Um, it's, it's such a cool thing. I'm overwhelmed sometimes with the, the people that have, I don't know why I'm crying this morning. I'm such a girly guy. What has happened to me? I used to be so manly. Um, but it's, there's something that happens when you truly start to, to try to be like Jesus and try to, to get a group of people that amazingly enough, amazingly enough, that group of people start thinking like Jesus and they and they do stuff like this past Thursday night. Joe mentioned it in his, in his announcements there where this group of people got together and they went downtown in 30 degree weather and they gave 700 hot dogs and 500 s'mores away. And you're like, what does that have to do with anything? All I know is it's a church that instead of going into the community and saying, hey, can you give us? We're just going there and say, we, we love you. We'd not, we not... You, you don't get this hot dog if you change. You don't get this s'more if you change. We just want to show you that we really care about you. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever you want to call it. You don't even have to be a Jesus person. We just love you. The pe people that have given their lives to do the stuff that make this building happen, the, the people that are back there with your kids right now, that week after week after week, the stories that we hear of 
what, what, the, what the kids are learning and, and how it even affects the lives of the parents and the kids are teaching the parents and the, the people that are out in the parking lot just telling people that they're really glad that you showed up for church today, standing in the rain. The people that have given their lives to make this place, it's just, I'm overwhelmed with it. And I, I don't know if we, if we realize how big of a deal it is. And that it's, I get concerned maybe sometimes that we as Stonebrookers, that I don't want us to ever get comfortable and take it for granted. I don't want us to ever think that we've arrived. The hard thing, I've been in church my entire life and I've been in small towns my entire life. How many of you are from a small town? Don't you like small towns? I love, love, love small towns. Here's one of the things that is not good about a small town. We could all make our list about it's like I read something last night on Facebook. The good thing about living in a small town is when you don't know what you're doing, there is, always is someone that does. So, And that's the truth. But one of the bad things about small towns is small towns think small. <laughs> they think us. It's really, really easy. And especially in church world. I've been in small churches, small towns, and really before long, you just get to thinking about you know, isn't it great, especially, you know, we, we have a brand, have this brand new building, and we worked and worked and worked and worked to get it, and it's amazing. It's amazing what I believe God has done in four years, but it's more than just God doing it. So many people have partnered and sacrificed family times and sacrificed their lives to produce something that I've just never heard of anything like this happening anywhere else. And even talking with Joe and Cassie, I talked to them because they they're out in Colorado Springs, right? Colorado Springs, you're in the Springs. I love Colorado Springs, by the way. Beautiful, beautiful place. How many of you have been to Colorado? How many of you would like to go today? I would. That would just be great. They're out in Colorado Springs and talking about different churches that they're looking at there and a church that they've particularly even found. And, and, and this happens all the time because we're a military town, is people come here to Stonebrook and we just have story after story, and Joe and Cassie would tell me their story of coming here and not Cassie sort of wanting to return to Jesus, but Joe still having all kinds of questions and experiencing so many obstacles and even hurts in other churches, and getting to a place where he saw that there's something different about Jesus, and there's something different about the way he's presented here. Um, and this isn't, this is why it's kind of hard for me to get to where I want to go with this. Um, I wish I was a little bit better at this. It's not about me trying at all to say, and we're the best there is. I don't, because as, as I was telling them before at church, and this, this message I guess is going to be a rehashing of what Joe and I talked about. But I am brutal on us as a church. I don't know if you do this, guys, when you go to other churches now. Um, like, when you go to other churches, do you sort of, like, take a notes like, well, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, that's going to turn off an unbeliever right there. Why would you say that from the stage? I, you know, I'm always taking notes about, wow, if an unbeliever, because I turn into an unbeliever when I go to another church. I approach, and some of you are thinking, I can, you know, it's not, it's not that big a leap for you, actually. But when, when I go to another church, I just consider, wow, I'm a sinner. How, how would I feel like as I approach this? And I do that actually every morning when I get out of my truck and I approach our church. I go through the same thing. And I do not think we have it together at all. But we are really trying. And we really have a group of people that are working on it and that care and that talk about it week after week after week after week. What can we do? How can we present this? How can we remove obstacles and make it easy for people who have been put off, people who have... Uh, tried to approach God and have been met with fire and brimstone and judgment and condemnation and something that seemed like too hard of a leap to get to. When Jesus did crazy stuff like walking up to a person that was complete, total sinner and everybody knew it and said, hey, would you like to be on my staff? Great, join us, come on, let's go, it'll be great. <laughs> and to try to, try to, to make a place where that's possible, it's something that we're definitely working on. And, and I, don't, I don't think we have it together. 
I don't think we're the only ones, but there's something special about what I, I believe the mission that Jesus has given us here. There's something different about it, and it really needs, it really needs to work. There's a, lot, there's a lot riding on this. This is, this is important, not only for our community. This is why I say about small towns. I don't want us to think small because it's really cool to me that Jesus was born, number one, in this backwoods, filthy, out-of-the-way place, little bitty town, Bethlehem. He couldn't even get a room. He was born probably in a cave where they kept the animals. He's just, from the very, very beginning, this very, very, very humble place where it started, it looked like this will never affect the world. He's got a baby, and he's in a manger, and there's horse poop and cow poop and sheep, all kinds of poop. Name any kind of poop you want. It's there. Jesus was born in the middle of poop, okay? That's just how good a preacher I am right there. You won't find that at your normal church right there. Jesus was born in poop. But the thing is, it started so small, and he ended up in a little bitty town, Nazareth, that until just, oh, it's been, it hasn't been 200 years ago, where archaeologists thought that the town really didn't exist. It's so small, so insignificant, that until recently they found, okay, there's proof that, yeah, that town exists. And I think, guys, are, is the air conditioning getting some of you freezing? Those two on the bottom are the stage air conditioners. Turn those up to like 75 or something. Don't turn them up to 80. You won't get there any faster by turning it to 80 than 75. You know what I'm talking about? Those two on the bottom. Okay. As I see, people are running for cover up here. But this, I believe, and it's, it's sort of interesting. This is Christmas time. It's this place where these new things happen. And Jesus came from a very, very humble beginnings. And that what, what God has started to do here at Stonebrook, and it's, once again, it's not about Stonebrook. It's about this group of people that have decided, let's go after who Jesus is and once we become more like him and start to think like him, let's, let's act like him and go after the ones that everyone else has said. You know, they're unreachable. And they're, they're too not like us. They're too not like Jesus. And that's sort of the whole point. We're after people that when they come, they still have completely different ideas about sex. They still think sex outside of marriage is a very happy, wonderful thing to do. And they, they still have a hard time even believing that God exists. And they, they question whether or not Jesus really rose from the dead. And they, you can't go to just your normal traditional church and act like that and think like that and still get to hang around. Because they will tell you how awful you are and they'll tell you how bad you are and they will judge you for that and they will condemn you for that. And do I think that you should have sex outside of marriage? No, I don't. Do I think that you should be here even if you think that? Absolutely. Please stay here. What do you think I should do? Just keep coming. Keep having sex however you want to have sex. <laughs> Just try not to do it here on Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't know which way to go with that. But... <laughs> But I just honestly believe that Jesus likes you and loves you right where you are now. And even if you never change your mind to think that that is the wrong thing, I think Jesus still loves you and likes you, and I want you to hang around with this. It's my hope that you eventually see that there's a better way, that there's a God way that he thinks is better for you. He thinks your life will be better if you will do this. But he still loves you right where you are. And the only hope to reach those people, the only hope for their life to change. I think it's great that our life has changed. I think it's great that we are in a place with God where we, we have, we, he's changed the way we think. He's changed the way we live. A lot of us here would think, yeah, you're supposed to get married before you have sex. 
It's great that that's happened with us. But I think it's more important that we create an opportunity where people can, because us standing up here and saying, you're awful, you're rotten, you need to change, everything about your life is wrong, you are unworthy of God, and God does not like you, he does not, I love the sinner, but I hate your sin, is communicate to them that God really doesn't like you at all, and it just pushes people away. And we think that the best way for people to change is to be around a group of people that really are like Jesus. And maybe they'll never change. But if they experience the love of Christ, if they experience this relationship and they start to think, maybe there is a God and he really cares about my life. We think their life will be better. And that's what we're, that's what we're here for. We're here so people can come and say, hey, I have a question about this whole Jesus thing. I have a question. I don't even think he existed. And I think he was actually a myth. And he was, he's a myth that's comparable to this ancient Greek God. And his story sounds exactly like this ancient Greek God. So can you explain to me what's the difference between Jesus and that ancient Greek God and why you think he's real and he's not real? Yeah, I can. I'd be happy to. I would love to talk to you about that. And we even talk about it on Sunday mornings. And that's just something that is not going to happen in the vast majority of places across this community, across the state, across this country. God has uniquely, I think, it's something that he's always wanted to do. He proved it at Christmas time 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus into this religious system. And we just got done with end of religion. And so it's sort of fresh on our minds where he sent Jesus into this religious system and completely upended it, completely poked holes in the way that the religious system thought. Completely changed from this attitude of you've got to meet these certain rules and you've got to meet this certain standard and you've got to be like this. And there were so, the vast majority of Jewish people had just checked out and said, I can't, I can't be that good. I can't. I want to lie. I'm having trouble. I, I, I steal. I cheat. I, I, I'm committing adultery. I don't understand all these things that I'm supposed to do in the temple. I don't understand all these rules and regulations. And since I don't understand it, and since I currently don't feel like I want to do that, then I just, I'm just, I can't do it. I'm going to check out. God, it's, the God thing's just not for me. And we live in a culture where the vast, vast, vast majority have checked out because the message they're hearing from church is, this is the standard. This is what you have to do. And they said, I can't do that. I don't know how to get there. And we haven't shared with them that the way that you even start getting there is Jesus came down to you. He came down here. So we want to be a place where people realize we're here for you. We're here to listen. We're here for you to ask questions. We're here to answer your questions best we are, best we can. We're here to help you with what you're going through in your daily life. I'm so looking forward to, so looking forward to, in January, we're going to start a brand new series. I think the title is going to be, I Want a New Marriage. And we're just going to talk about how many of you are married? Don't you hate that? <laughs> See, I caught you a little bit off guard, but the reason you laughed is because there's a lot of things in marriage where you're like, man, this is stinking hard. This is real life. I don't like this person now. This is an entirely different person that walked down the aisle. What happened to you? And there's real life things that we're going to talk about and try to help people through who Jesus is. Jesus cares about our stinking marriages. He cares about these rough, rough things that we deal with in life. These relationship issues. He cares that your boss is nuts. He cares that your wife is nuts and he really cares that your children that you guys created are absolutely freaking nuts and driving you nuts. Those are, daily, they're, they, those are rubber meet the road issues that we really want to be this place 
where you can talk about that. And for the last four years, we have, we've been really, really bad at it. But, but here's the cool thing. For some reason, hundreds, hundreds of people, we, we try to sort of keep an accurate count, but at least 600 people have made a decision to move toward Jesus by saying, I accept, I accept who he is. We know at least over 300 people have been baptized. And we haven't even done many baptisms in the past couple of years because we've been building this church where people have publicly said, I'm a Jesus follower now. And time and time again, where we've had people come who were absolutely atheists, who over a process, who were allowed space. Now, I don't know, did you change those air conditioners to heat? Oh, no, just turn it off. You're, I want them to be sort of comfortable, but I don't want the pastor to fry. I've got my ugly Christmas sweater on, and like, wow, it's hot. Um, you know, just leave those completely off. See, we do not have anything together here. We're just trying to figure it out. But over the past four years, where over and over again, and this is what I like about us, this is what is so unique, and this is the way Jesus was, is those particular people that were the hard ones. This is why we started Stonebrook in the, in the first place. Is not for people that were almost, almost sort of Jesus-y anyway, or sort of, they were, they were sort of good. We want people who are so far from God that they don't like him, they don't think he exists, they think Christians are the scum of the earth, they've met Christians and they've been offended and put off. We want the people that church people and Christians have said, there is no way. Do you, do you know anybody like that? Do you know, like I have, I remember, I have a sister-in-law. And she's mean. And um, I won't say her name. She may listen to this. But this is, this is the, the, sort of the concept for Stonebrook came from my everyday life. Because my wife, I was raised in church, but my wife was raised heathen. And her entire family, her entire family was heathen. And they had experienced a fire and brimstone thing. My wife had experienced a fire and brimstone thing. She had a little church that was just right down the street from where she lived, and her family didn't go to church. But my wife, when she was little, she would get dressed up, and she would go down the road and go there by her own little self. I see her, this little eight-year-old girl. She's sitting real quiet on this pew. And, you know, it was just fire and brimstone thing. But little by little, she met me and... uh, we, we started dating very early. It's the only, it's, you know, I've, we dated for five years. We got married. She's the only girl I've ever been with. She's, she's, she's mine. I really like her. <laughs> but, but even if we go back to marriage, there's times where I'm like, what happened to you? You used to be so nice. Why are you being so mean to me? There's real life issues that we're going to talk about in this next series. But anyway, her family was mean. Her family is heathen. And so she would cry sometime. Because all we had ever heard, all we'd ever heard is fire and brimstone. And there's times that all of a sudden my wife would break out into tears. And I'm like, what is wrong? Why are you crying? And she would say, because my dad's going to go to hell. And she would talk, you know, cry all these things. So little by little, one by one, um, we sort of targeted them. You know what I mean? But especially this one, this, that makes me cry when I think about it, this one sister-in-law. Where I, I almost said to my wife one day, but I didn't want to discourage her. I almost said, you know, your other family might have a chance, but I don't think she's ever going to make it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like the hard ones. The ones that are really, really far. You know who they are. You work with them. You like when you think, because you may not think like I do. I always try to picture whoever I'm talking about, whoever I meet, if I'm in Walmart, I'm always thinking about, okay, what would that guy look like in church. And I'm always thinking, why in the world would he ever want to go to church? Do you think like this? Like you're, you're working with some guy and you're like, this guy's going to hell. It's just bad. It's just, this guy will never, ever go to church. What would make this guy go to church? This is how my sister-in-law was. And it's so funny that I, I was never a person 
who talked to them about God at all. Just lived it, and every now and then, they would ask questions. They would just ask questions. And it was like, there, there was no time. I was 18 years old, and um, I, I was working over at the Lake of the Ozarks as an electrician for Midwest Electric. If you guys have ever gone to the lake and you had the big outlet mall there, Osage Village, I, I, was, I wired that. I was the electrician on that project many moons ago. But um, there was a guy that was transferred over. We were the commercial crew, and he transferred over from the residential crew, and I was going to have to work with him over the next uh, couple of months. His name is Keith, Keith Rizzo. And the very first day, I guess he had heard that there was something different about me. I didn't even wear Christian T-shirts. I was just a guy. But he walked up to me and he said, Hi, I'm Keith. I just want you to know I'm an agnostic bordering on atheism. I'm Mark. I'm from Dixon. <laughs> so, every day, Keith would come with a question. It was almost like he was playing stump the band with me. He wanted to show, you know, here's, you, you're, you're a God guy. I've heard that you're sort of a, you're a Christian guy. We can tell you a little different. So, what about this? And so, as we'd work during the day, I didn't stop working. I didn't sit down and say, let me open my Bible on company time. No, we're working. And I would simply answer his question. Well, here's, here's what this is. I think you sort of misunderstand this, and here's what Jesus says about this. And so, uh, he'd come the next day with, well, what about this? And he would ask, ask a question. And I think, I just think back that maybe that's sort of the beginnings of what we wanted to do here. And little by little, uh, it took about a month, and he came in one day. I just remember Keith doing this. It makes me cry. And he said, he just came in and said, okay, I'm ready. You ready to work? Are you ready? No, I'm ready. I, I want to accept this. I want to do this Jesus thing. And so we prayed right there at work. And here's a guy that's an atheist. And, and that's, I love, love, love atheists. And it's not just about that there's 40,000 atheists out there. But there are 40,000 people, 45,000 people, 50,000 today because it's raining, who have decided that, that I don't think going to church has any value at all. I don't think there's anything about having a relationship with God or knowing something about Jesus. I don't think that it's going to change anything about my life, my relationship, my finances, my marriage. I don't think there's any value in doing that. And I think that's tragic. And I think that's our fault. I think that's the church's fault. And um, it's something that we've wanted to change and we've started to change. But it's not just something that we want for here. It's something that I think God is... We are very much a, um, a, a developmental process here. We're almost... I see it sort of as a prototype. That this is something that's being incubated, we're working on it, we're failing, failing sometimes miserably, and coming back and saying, okay, how can we make this better? How can we improve? This isn't your typical normal church where um, the, the story usually goes like you, you, start, you start a little church, you go in a storefront building, you eventually get up enough Christians where you can buy a little bit bigger building, you move to that, and you eventually get your nice building out on the outskirts of town, and you just come and you have a wonderful time every Sunday in your new facility and it's wonderful and you get to brag to your other preacher friends that, yeah, we got 500 people coming and they're like, whoa, you're just four years old? 500, hey, we had 600 for three or four weeks. Wow, 600? But that's really not at all what we wanted to do. We want this to grow and move to other places. In fact, and I did share this in the last service. I'm going to talk about this, I think the first Sunday in January, sort of as our vision for the next three years. Because three years from now, it's going to be the year 2020. Can you believe that? That's amazing. I remember, those of you that are old can probably remember the whole 2000, the Y2K thing, like the end of the world as we know it. And I never thought that I would ever see 2000. I mean, Back to the Future, that was 2015, wasn't it? 2016? 2015? And it's just amazing. 2020. Well, where do we want to be in three years as this group of believers? And one thing we've said is, I, I think God would like us to stretch a little bit and be a church that gathers 
2020 by 2020, that we gather 2,020 people every Sunday morning, and still that's not even a drop in the bucket to the 40, 45,000, plus something we want to do the next three years. We want to start three more Stonebrook campuses in other towns, other places. We've targeted other, other areas, and I, we went to them and looked at them, especially what college towns like Rolla, Columbia, maybe even eventually Springfield. I don't know. There's a lot of churches in Springfield. But even the churches in Springfield, this isn't Mark talking about bad about churches other places, but there are some amazing, amazing, amazing churches in Springfield. My, uh, my daughter lives in Springfield. She's a nurse. And, of course, she was raised with me. That's, that's I'm her dad, so that's how it works. But she was raised the way I talk about church on Sunday morning. We do that all the time at our house. That's all we talk about. That's all we talk about is God. Ah, I don't want you to think that we're weird. We talk about normal stuff. But it eventually, and I actually don't mind if you think we're weird, it eventually turns around to where we're talking about God and how do we reach other people. And she talks about, she said, I've been to every church. There's some amazing, amazing churches in Springfield. But there's this whole big segment of people that these churches are not designed to reach. The college kids, the, the, the poor, the outcasts, the ones that don't fit in, the ones that don't, can't wear the right thing and sing the right song and have the right look on their face and say the right things and they still drop F-bombs. One, one of the best things that ever happened to me is when multiple times I've had people talk about how effing great they think Jesus is. <laughs> and the Pharisee in me goes, you need to get down on your knees. Can we do Hail Marys? We don't do Hail Marys, but I think you could use a couple of Hail Marys. The, fa the Pharisee in me wants to do that, but there's the Jesus in me goes, yes! They are so comfortable that they, they totally don't know and don't care that normally in church, you don't say effing. That's like, it should be in the Bible. Go to church, don't say effing. <laughs> but actually, we don't effing care. <laughs> We don't. We actually don't. And wait, do you hear that? Do you hear that? Yeah, that's my mother rolling over in her grave. <laughs> One reason I think mom went ahead and died is if she would have seen Stonebrook, she would have died. She would have just died. Very traditional, very, you know, live and talk a certain way. But here's my whole point. I said all this because I'm going to talk about something uncomfortable now. <laughs> it's it's why last service, last service is hard on me. I, I, I have to talk about a subject every now and then because we want, we so want to reach those people. And that's the subject, and, and you have a, a little card there in your, in your seat. And I am terrible at this. This is, this is a failure on my part. This is where I've got to get better. But in, in order to do what we do, you have to have a certain facility. And you have to have a certain group of people that commit to work and serve in it. And we're talking about serving all the time. But we, we've made it to where one of the big obstacles to those that are far from God in accepting Jesus is the subject of money. And it's just, I hate it. I hate it that there's been such abuse. There's been people that get on TV and you know what their names are, and you see them, and they're, they're, they're wanting you to give so they, they can have a new jet or they can have a, a new mansion. And there's been so much abuse, so much abuse in church in time past that we made a conscious decision. In fact, recently we've stopped where we don't have an offering time where we pass the bucket and things like that. And it's just, it's just one of those subjects that causes people to associate talking about money and giving with abuse that they've experienced in past churches. But it's, it's a mistake on my part because it's something that Jesus talked about as, as an integral part of becoming more like him. Is that those that have decided to follow him eventually come to the place where they say, okay, I've been helped and I've been changed and I may not have a million dollars and I may not be the wealthiest person in the world, but I'm going to adjust the way I live my life and give part of what I have so this can be provided for somebody else. I'm going to think more than the small town, small church way of thinking because this needs to happen everywhere. 
we, this needs to be a thing where we've had so many military people go to so many other towns. Every single one of them say, we can't find this anywhere. Can you please start a Stonebrook here? We would love to start a Stonebrook there. And it's hard. It's something that's hard to do. Stonebrook is hard. How do you create a place where people can come and experience freely the gift of who Jesus is? How do you keep the resources and going in order to provide those places here and elsewhere? If those of us who are Jesus followers don't at some point come to the place where we say, okay, this is valuable. This is something that needs to be done. This is a mission that is part of my purpose in life. This is why Jesus came to sacrifice himself. It's the basis of Christianity that our founder gave everything he is away in order that we could enter into a relationship to break down the obstacles that were between us and God to provide himself as the way. And last service is just awful. There's, I, it's necessary, number one, because it's part of becoming a disciple of Jesus. Jesus over and over and over talked about you can't serve God in money. The way that you interact with money is, is an indication of your heart, whether or not God has your heart. But number two, it's the way. I don't know if you were aware of this. I don't know which scripture it is there, Erica. Uh, it's, it's one of the ones, it's Luke. I have all kinds of slides from today. Did you know, did you ever think about it? When Jesus was on the earth, he had 12 dudes that had jobs. And those people all left their jobs and began to work full time for three and a half years getting this message of Jesus out to the surrounding area. Did you ever think, how did that happen? They left their job. Did you know Jesus had people that supported him financially? You probably didn't know that. Do you know where, which one it is? Erica, it's, it's a loop there somewhere. And Jesus started to, I don't know which one it is. Uh, it's down there somewhere. <laughs> I have like 60 slides back there that Erica is trying to go through. And it's just a really hard thing. Um, and he had, had a group of women. I'll just tell you the story. Jesus, there. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching, announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his staff with him, 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. These are people that have been changed by the message of Jesus. People that have, their life has been transformed. They're different now. Joanna, the wife of Shuza, Herod's business manager. Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. You didn't even know that was in the Bible. But it's a weird thing that Jesus, in order to get his message out, he had to have certain staff. He had to go certain places. You got to feed those people. You got to do things. He didn't, it wasn't opulent. Jesus wasn't riding on the best new model of donkey. He was just walking from place to place. Would Jesus wear a Rolex? No, Jesus would sell it and give it to somebody. That's the way he would be. You know, there's the old song, would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? No. But there was a group of people that were contributing to what he was doing. And I just think what we're doing is, is important. This has been sort of a weird message. It wasn't nearly as bad as the first service. You got the best deal today by coming to the second service. But one, one thing is because it's such an uncomfortable subject. And one reason I was so uncomfortable is there was a guy in the back row at last service. And my son is friends with his son. And he texted his friend and says, your dad's in church. And he got a text back and says, do I need to call the fire department, the police, ambulance, 911? I've known my dad his entire life. All he does is talk bad about church. He's never been in church his entire life. And he chose to come here on the morning I'm talking about, hey, we need to give. It's awful. I hate it that we, we have this place where we're trying to reach people and there are people here in this service that you're like, this is my first time. This is just like every other church. They're talking about money. 
And that's why we're not talking to you, really, 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 really. But I am talking about talking to those of us that have been here and see and, and, see and think that this is different. And we've seen this work. That's the weird thing. We're at this weird position where this will work. We've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to Jesus that, oh my goodness, they were so far from God and suddenly their minds were changed. We've seen the, the whole reason we built this building is of course we had to have a place and we just couldn't find anywhere else to meet. And so we had to build one. We tried, tried, tried not to build it. But one thing we said, hey, can we build a building that we use during the week? We don't just use it on Sunday and then pay for it the rest of the week, but we can use it during the week. And so during the week we have daycare and that is really, really starting to work. The whole model, the whole idea that during the week you can be, do a benefit for the community and it brings up an income. So we don't have to continually talk about money. We can be much more low-key. But there, we're at this weird place where in order to get this up off the ground and moving, it's like we have the ship built, we have the crew ready, and we just need the fuel to make it happen. That some of us that... I think I've made a mistake in not communicating the value of this and communicating that there is an actual need. We, so many of us, we come every Sunday and everything is cool and we look around and, wow, somebody was really giving. Well, we don't have anybody supporting us. We don't have another church that's helping us. We don't have big, big givers that are pouring and investing into this. It's just a bunch of normal people that have sacrificed. But the problem is that we don't have the biggest part of us to consider Stonebrook is involved in some way as far as actually giving. And it's something that just needs to happen. Not so I can have a brand new Mercedes. I'll never have a brand new Mercedes. I drive a 19-year-old Chevrolet that still needs some work. Isn't that right, Greg? Greg's my mechanic. My, my truck still needs some work. My wife drives an old van that has 180,000 miles on it. We're, we're not living in a mansion. It's not what this is at all. It's about there's Thousands and thousands and thousands of people like Joe Kastronakis and Jeremy Cole, who was such an, he was an atheist and had never had his questions answered, and person after person after person that I could mention. It's because those people, we've got to figure out a way to create more of this and to do this better and do this bigger to reach more people. And so I'm asking you this morning to consider investing. There's a card there on your on your uh, chair. If you just look at it, there's different ways that you can give. I'm asking you to consider getting involved. I'm asking you to consider adjusting your life to where you contribute something toward this mission that we're doing. You can give online, stonebrook.tv, click on the giving button there. Consider, consider on the back it talks about, it says automate the important. It's something that would really help us if we had a group of people that on an ongoing basis would set up giving that just happens recurring. For example, we're not having church. We announced on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. We just think that on Christmas and New Year's, everybody is wanting to be with their family. Let's give our volunteers that work so hard, let's give them time off and say thank you for that. But there's still expenses, so that's, we're not simply thinking about money. I know all kinds of churches that will never not have church because we got to have that offering. But we're actually wanting something for people. In fact, even in your finances, we're going to start in February. There's going to be some different life groups that go on here for several weeks in a row. One of them is going to be called Smart Money, where we help you understand how to uh, operate in your finances better because we want your life to be better. But we just thank those of us that our life has been made better. We need to be somebody that gives back and contributes. One of the cool new things, and I don't know if you've tried it out yet, is the text to give. We just want to make it as easy as possible. This is, to me, if you have a smartphone and you know how to text, if you don't know how to text, it's going to be 2017 soon. It's time to learn. Just learn to text. You just text an amount or you can text the word give to this number right here, 573-240-8343, and it will say, oh, you're a new giver. Let's set up your information. Then after that, you don't have to do anything else. If you want to give $5 the next week, you just go 5 Send. Done. 550. Done. Increasing. I don't know if you can text a million. Try it. I don't know. Um, I don't know if your card will do that. But you can set up on a, recur a recurring thing on that as well. 
where it comes out of, of your bank account each week, just like your electric bill, mortgage, whatever. And we, we've made it to where we have just a bucket there back by the door. If you want to give the old-fashioned way, check and cash, you can do that. And, and we've changed that because we want to remove an obstacle to where we don't have to talk about this very often. And we don't have a time where we're passing buckets during the week. You can just put it there as you go out. I'm just ask, asking you to consider investing in this because I believe that this is something that's the beginning of something huge, not so we can say we're huge, but because we can actually change this world from the inside out by people getting a different view of who God is through Jesus. And we just think that this way works better. And I'm asking you to get involved. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to get you out of here. I've kept you four minutes and 18 seconds too long. I appreciate you listening to me. Father, thank you a really, really lot for what you've done for us. Thank you for this time of year when we can remember that you came to us, God with us. We really appreciate that. I thank you for this group of people that uh, so many have decided to live differently and to think outside of themselves, give so much of themselves to other, others, help us to know where we can adjust, where we can be a person that gives of what you have blessed us so much with. That we don't just think of ourselves, we think of them. Help us to find those ways. And I believe, Lord Jesus, because you said it, that when we do that, that you pour back into our lives. Help us, Lord, this isn't our deal. Help us to reach these people that you so desperately want to know you. Make a way. Help us to be a part of that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for hanging out today. Be back next Sunday. We'll talk more Christmassy stuff. And uh, you have a great week. We'll see you then.